0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe.
1: My hope is every episode we bring up Mary Kate and Ashley Olson. Hi, welcome to Crush the Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Kirsten Lyons,
2: and I'm Aaron Raderstore. Yeah, Kirsten, you yes.
1: turned forty. I I did. You turned 40 this past um, week. Tell me everything. What's it like? <laughs> I've been 40 for a few days now and I have so much wisdom to share with the world. No, it's good. I mean, obviously everybody says, doesn't. it doesn't really feel any different. I think the weird thing is, is I'm not in my thirties anymore. I had really settled in. I really liked being in my thirties. And so I think that's weird that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not okay. What was yeah. better,
2: your 30th birthday or your 40th birthday?
1: My 40th birthday. It was so good. Um, my husband, Bradley, just kind of surprised me from in so many ways. I, you know, it's. I've thought a lot about this. But so I really wanted to sell us my Christmas script before my 40th birthday. Spoiler alert, it didn't happen. Um, mostly because um, everything's backed up. Um, with buying and stuff like that because of COVID and production and making them and everything. Uh, And I just, I really wanted to sell it. That was something I really wanted and it didn't happen. It didn't nowhere near close. And, um, but for my birthday, Bradley did a table read the script they put together was, can I just say something? The Kirsten Lyons story. And it was filled with stories from friends and family that had sent in. I will say they were not (laughs) always true uh, or, True-ish, um, but they were hilarious. Um, Ashley contributed one, and um, it was it was just really funny. And we did an online Zoom table read with people all over the country, which was really sweet. And they we just read the script. I mean, I was laughing hysterically. It I- was so funny. As somebody who was there
2: and got an invite, can I just say it was <laughs> hilarious? And really? like, oh my
1: gosh, I had the best time you know, I didn't sell a script, but I feel like I got something even like richer. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still want to sell a script, but
2: (laughs) (laughs) But like, I think that's, thank you for sharing that truthfully, because I think it's so real life to be like, yeah, I still had a great time. Like I'm loving where
1: I'm at, but this thing I thought would happen didn't happen. And so, yeah. And I mean, a lot of that is this podcast, you know, letting life surprise you and acknowledging when things aren't exactly the way you want them to be. But I have to say this weekend was just filled with so many different surprises. Bradley outdid himself and just so much love, you know, um, it was delightful. And just as delightful as our chat today with Dominique, our guest, you know, one thing she says that I really love, and I actually want to find, I might, I might not say this exactly right, I'm looking through all of my time code notes. I have like five pages because it was a, another two-hour conversation. Do not worry. My editing skills are in, in full full effect here. She says, I hope I never stop having crushed moments. Um, And I kind of like- I love that. Yeah, right? I also like, never thought about moments, plural. She was a subject in this documentary that Archibald Project did. And it was all about- um, her as a mother who had just had a little boy um and she placed her son for adoption and it's this beautiful short-form documentary that and we will link it birth moms are um they're really been given a voice as of late which and as of late i really mean in the last few months to the last few years which is exciting and wonderful but in a lot of ways what happens is when we hear from birth moms we only hear the story right we only hear either the placement or how the placement is going or open adoption and i think if i if i can humbly say as people on the outside looking in that aren't birth parents it's almost like that becomes their identity which is interesting because this episode is we talk a ton about identity but there's so much more to any person yes, there's a little bit of discussion about being a birth parent. And yes, there's a little bit of discussion about placing, but really we get to find out what she was like in her tween years and her teen years. We get to find out what's going on with her now, how she's a hopeless romantic. There's just, there's so much that is so fascinating about her that has nothing to do with being a birth mom. And yet because of her choice to place, not only her son, but also to allow cameras and her story to be told, I got to meet her. And now I I'm so excited to like introduce so many of you to her that know nothing about her story. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about this. And she's
2: she's introducing herself in her own words. Mm. That's one of one of the things about this podcast that I really like is we we kind of approach people and we are basically like, "What's your moment?" You know, mm. we're not like, we would love for you to talk about X, Y, and Z. Mm. You know, it's, we asked her who she was as a person. And and I think in this episode, you kind of get to hear her, her total response, which I think is beautiful.
1: I love that. Yeah. So without further ado, meet Dom. are so, so, so excited to have a guest today. Well, I am. I can't speak for Aaron. I don't know. A guest? It sounds like just random. <laughs> Anybody. Just- the <laughs> guest. The guest we have. Um, her name is Dominique White. She is an adoption educator and speaker and the subject of the Archibald Project's Texas Adoption, the 48 Hours into Legal Adoption Signing. That is a mouthful of a title, <laughs> okay? Um, which has been viewed 1.9 million times, but I I'm gonna say it has been viewed way more than that because people share it constantly on Facebook. But the other thing is, a ton of agencies use it as education when people are first starting to think about adoption or even sometimes foster care. And so I just don't I don't agree with that. Like the one, the time I saw it, it was like the fifth time I'd seen it because I'd watched it so much, but we were at an agency and they showed it to like 20 people in the room. So I'm going to say it's been viewed at least 2.5 million times. That's going to be my math on that. Um, Dominique is a single mom raising her seven-year-old as well as a birth mom to a four-year-old son too. We'll get into all of that. She's a lover of the, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, the enneagram, the enneagram, it's the one with the numbers, horses (laughs) and being outside. Welcome Dominique. Hey friends. I'm so excited to be here. We're so so excited, so excited to have you. Conversation. We lost Aaron. I don't know what just happened.
0: Lost Aaron. Aaron,
1: what happened? Aaron's computer shut off while it was plugged in. <laughs> the
2: screen just went black. Like I didn't even get a low battery warning or anything. And I see now it says two percent, but I didn't even look at it. But it's been plugged in this whole time.
1: While you were gone, I asked Dominique, because she's in, we were talking about Texas, and I said, listen, okay, you basically, you know, grew up your entire life in Texas. Do you listen to country music? She said, yes. You said- People find that surprising. I said, why? Because if you could see what she's wearing right now, I feel like it's very Carrie Underwood. It's got some big hoops, some great oh. big curls, great oversized V-neck sweater. sweater. I could see it. Like, she's not like on a country road within a rocking chair or something. Also, why do you have a rocking chair on a country road? I don't know. But I did say, okay, so like, what do you listen to? She goes, I really like this. Plugging right here. Shout out to
0: Muscadine Bloodline. Go listen to Porch Swing Angel. <laughs> yes, I
2: oh, they have another song that's really popular. Hold on. Oh, Wait, I, you know that?
1: <laughs> yes. I'm I'm stepping out. I'm leaving the conversation. Both of you are 26. You both listen to Muscadine Bloodline, which I don't even know what that is. And you I'm cons- That's their
2: name. I don't what but is a muscadine Amazing duo. I do know a song by them, but I can't think of what it is.
1: All right. Well, while we're trying to figure out Muscadine Bloodline, did you want to live in a mansion, an apartment, a shack, or a house? I would say I wanted to live in a mansion. Who were you going to marry when you were 12? Anybody I was dating at the time. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to be honest. Wait, but when you played MASH when you were 12, were you like with real friends? No, I used real
0: people. That is bold. I me I am a hopeless romantic of all hopeless romantics so even right now like post six months breakup I mm-hmm. cannot imagine my life with anyone else than who mm-hmm. I just dated and I only dated the cat for like two months
1: <laughs> <laughs> including the period before we called each other boyfriend and girl I would like to welcome you to crush the podcast
2: <laughs> this is pretty on brand <laughs>
1: All right. So, but when you were 12. When I was 12, his
0: name was Marcus Sierra. Are we allowed to use names?
1: I mean, you can, can, you can do him. it, Marcus, if you're listening <laughs> <laughs> and you're still single, give yes. us a call.
0: <laughs> I like handled MASH and was like, God, please. like, this <laughs> like, like, this is going to be real. Like, I felt like I was playing, like,
2: this is real. If it was celebrities, who would have been? This is interesting that we're the same age because everyone we've had on here has been more Kirsten's age and I didn't know who they were talking about celebrities <laughs>
0: like. Michael Murray. That dude was in every movie. He
1: was. He was. He was, was, he was interest. But he was such a, I don't know. He just was so slimy to me. He didn't
2: play a slimy guy until he was Tristan on Gilmore Girls. And that totally yeah. changed the way I looked at him forever. But he was, that was, was his,
1: weird. that's how he got a start. That's how he got a SAG card. My friend helped him get a SAG card. Oh.
2: Are we still in contact with this friend. No, <laughs> <laughs> he just recently kind of returned to acting because he did a big thing on Riverdale,
1: and his line <laughs> was Aaron. Loves, loves Riverdale. He
2: I love Riverdale.
1: How, wait, wait I, I, didn't I, I didn't. I just should leave. I just should leave. The two of you are I, falling in love. Okay. I need to leave. Do you I I
2: see left. when Chad Michael Murray is <laughs> on it? No. Oh my God. So you're so you're finishing season two then? Two I
1: three. I need to Did you sense. guys know that Crush the Podcast is also a Riverdale podcast, apparently, <laughs> and a Chad Michael Murray podcast? <laughs>
0: Where were you going to live? Gossip Girl, I like dreamed my life would be, like I was going to live in New York City and I was going to go there and not know anybody and I was going to be the girl in the middle of the street just looking at the big <laughs> I wish you guys could like... see her
1: right now. She's <laughs> looking up with her arms out like, here it is. Here I am. I'm wow, in New York
0: halfway in a musical halfway knot and like just would strut down in my sundress in New York City streets and just like I don't know be this <laughs> awesome businesswoman who really didn't ever go to work but like somehow paid the bills and
1: yeah. then what were you going to do what was your job when you were 12 years old
0: so I wanted to be a nurse um my grandmother was a nurse and then my mom was like in and out of like the medical field, and so I loved the idea that like one day I would grow up. I would like use my grandmother's scrub. And that dream got crushed. I got in a car accident when I was freshman in high school. And then I ended up absent billing the second half of my freshman year. And all of my classes. Um, wow. got half credit. Was no longer able to play sports. Had to have like uh, eye surgery. And just will have like long-term effects from that. That was my moment because all of my my whole life was and value and identity was found in being this super sporty mixed girl because I went to a predominantly white school. So I was like, I need this identity. Who am I? If I can't play sports, which makes me really, it helps me relate to all of these white people. We don't have sports. What do we actually have in common? So my life completely changed after that. Wow. That was my first crushed moment. But I will say that I think that like you said, we have many crushed moments and I really, I sent this to you, but I hope that I don't ever stop having crushed moments because I mm-hmm. think that we need them mm-hmm. because we have received we ourselves on this journey and the journey that is how, whatever you believe in for me, it's God. It's like, like if I actually got to choose, mm-hmm. if I actually lived out my mash, like mm-hmm. I probably if I married Chad, like I'd be divorced. And I had a huge laceration across my face um, that like my cheekbones were swollen to my eyebrows and I couldn't even bathe on my own. And so I just like lost all self-worth and identity. And so that spiraled into me starting to drink and party and realize that boys existed and went through my first heartbreak with a boy like wasn't madly in love with a guy um self-sabotaged all the time um in that relationship and attempted suicide
2: when did you kind of you know put together that the feeling of left out that you felt like obviously I'm sure after everything happened you didn't put two and two together about your relationship with sports and the rest of the community at the school when did you kind of put that together
0: I think actually not until like my adulthood and I was actually able to be confident in being Black and being who I am and not just being Black, but being mixed, mm. I think was the was hard for me. Like I really wanted to associate with one or the other and mm. both was always really hard. So not until my adulthood when I really reconciled the racial tension in myself um, and acknowledged where all of that came from for me that I was able to go back. And, and so
1: now when you look back, because you you kind of said like, okay, but these moments, these crushed moments, I'm happy they happen. How are you in that place?
0: You can go down one of two lanes. You can choose to let that crushed moment define you mm-hmm. and be the reason that you cannot be dot, 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 fill in the blank because this is, and now you become a victim to your own story. Mm. Or you look at that and you say, if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't have this, 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 this. Like, I feel like because of that moment, I was saved from the journey. I was saved from myself because of that moment. Mm. I was living an entire lie. My identity was so skewed and just really wanted to fit in so badly with all of these people and i want i thought my life was supposed to go one way i was supposed to play all of these sports and be a star athlete and make really good grades and get into college and then go to college and join a sorority like that was my biggest thing i'm going to join a sorority and i'm going to do all of these really great things so i'm going to become a nurse and i'm going to have and then i'm going to move to new york one day <laughs> <is my> <laughs> and stay at the buildings that. <laughs> you know, it's gonna be great. Stare at the buildings, you know?
1: And now you're 17, 18 years old. Tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about like that, Dominique. Like after this has happened, you attempted and it wasn't successful. Mm-hmm. Um, were you still just so low or was there a moment where okay, I'm here, you know?
0: No, I was so low, I would say, until I experienced my second unplanned pregnancy. Okay. Um, so I would say maybe when I was like 23, okay. A couple of years after I experienced my second unplanned pregnancy, I think okay. that I started to come out on the other side of everything that had happened to me.
1: And and I want to interject really quick because we d- kind of didn't talk about this. We very briefly, um, yeah. talked about it in the thing. So, you were involved in a documentary called, I'm yeah. going to butcher the name. We said it in the beginning of the 48 hours, Texas signing adoption. It's a very long list.
0: Yeah. So the laws in Texas are that you can place your child for adoption, but you cannot sign the paperwork to place them for adoption until 48 hours after you give birth.
1: And then once you sign that, is that done? Can you change your, do you have like a grace period where you can change your mind? No, you can't change your mind. Um, you can always
0: attempt to pursue, right. You know, getting your rights back to the child and, um, but that's if you can prove coercion. Right. I mean, but
1: there's no grace there's, period. There's no grace period. Wow. Okay. I've written about this a little bit. And to be very honest, I never thought we'd do domestic private adoption because I thought that it was the quote unquote easy way. People paid money. You got your baby. You walked away. And I I never, for for whatever reason, and I think it's because until really, I feel, until really your story was out there, I really feel the adoption community was not ever shining a light on birth moms. I, But I, and I'm not saying that there haven't been, there haven't been stories about birth moms before, but there was there was like this, I can't explain it. It was like, it was like a crack in time at that moment I just remember watching that video and like weeping, like bawling and felt so much love for you. Like, I just can't even explain. I just was like, I love this young woman. I don't know her, but I was like, I just want to hug her. Like, is she okay? Like she needs, and I knew that this was not right then. Like I knew it was like, had some time had passed and, and it, you know, I just was in awe of you. And there was this moment where I just was like, wait a second, the whole story has never been told or it's not being told. And this is how dare I think that. And I was so humbled to be like, there's a whole nother person in this or a whole nother family in this. This is very new to Aaron. And you know, back then it wasn't talked about. No, you know, it was, it was almost like bringing up the fact that somebody was
2: adopted was so like, you you just didn't do that.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think, what's so interesting. Like before we were talking, I said something about like the triad and yeah. goes, I like that word. Triad so- is my favorite word. I love that word, but,
2: but mostly in the context of like, you know, my family, I'm an only child was a triad, I, but so, I don't know how it relates to like the adoption.
0: Yeah. So the triad in adoption, adoptee who is the child in relationally in this diagram
1: and so PowerPoint presentation we're putting together for you right now. So
0: there's a triangle, the adoptee is at the top point, which is the child, and then the adoptive parents and then the bio family is are on the bottom corners. And so there's all the triangular lines just show that there are relationships between the biological family to the adoptee, and so on and so forth, gotcha. between the adopted family, it's just a semi-good representation of what it should be. Totally.
1: So, so my, I think, I think my, and all of saying that because I feel like our guests, we will put the link up um, so people can see in our Instagram. But I think the reason I say all of that is, you know, here we are as a 15-year-old young woman going through this car accident. You placed your, your second son at how old were you? 21. Okay. So that's six years of a lot of stuff happening. And I think what happens sometimes is people think these crushed moments, whether they're small or they're big, they think it's not a big deal. Or, you know, one thing we talk about is like, I'm the only one. Right. And I think like, we're not the only ones and it is a big deal. And, and I think for you to be told, you know, you were dramatic or all these kind of things, Mm -hmm. it's such a disservice and a dismissal. And I'm so sorry. I'll Mm. say
0: I'll really struggle with wanting to be fully known. I feel completely misunderstood in all aspects of life. And Mm. there's this song that says um, they would have met her, but they are like, they know her, but they would have never met her. And,
1: was that that's- by monogamous bloodline or whatever their name is? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know I what they. By a Christian band, I think. It's like oh, I'm sad good- it's I- not
1: by Muppet bloodline. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I interrupted a really sweet moment. No, that's like-
0: so good. This muscadine bloodline. It's going to be our new inside joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. But no, it, yeah, it. I think that I fall into this habit of want to seeking my identity in anything. Mm. And the main thing that I will find my identity and value in is being loved by a man. Mm. And so if I think I still try to find that, that my hopeless romantic part of me comes from the idea that I had this really hopeless story on Mm. this path that my life would be on, and so now I just put that into a relationship aspect because my life is nowhere close to where I thought it would be going. So I definitely still fall into that. And i that's why my last relationship just ended and it ended so quickly.
1: I do think that there's, I don't know, there's something to be said with, we're all kind of trying to figure out our value and identity and we're all just, mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: It's constantly being reshaped by, I think these crushed moments. I think we pick up these things along the way in our lives. And some of those things we didn't have choice over being in these positions or around certain people. And then some of the things we did, but we pick up these things along the way and we put them on ourselves and they become mm-hmm. as like protectors and barriers um, based off of those traumas. And so I think it's really when we can start putting down those barriers, I think we can really like, identify with our true self and who we were made or created to be um but a lot of i think personality is really just a shield to a lot of things
1: Hmm.
0: if that makes sense
1: that got deep that got deep
0: that got
2: real deep i'm really just processing like i was like (laughs) huh?
0: what is she talking about no, it's so good. You no, guys no, I
1: think it. she's, no, I don't think she's, what is she talking about? She's like, this is real deep and real heavy. I didn't know we are going to get I into this.
2: I had a moment and I was like, is my personality just like an amalgamation of every TV show I've ever watched? <laughs> like, is this just, just like... So you know funny.
1: what I mean like, that's so have you ever funny. like watched a show and then you start picking up mannerisms of the character oh yeah and you
0: the kardashians about- I do it all the time
1: I can't talk to you either of you right now oh yeah. my god but From I'm like mug lug bloodline to Riverdale <laughs> to the kardashians I don't even know what I'm doing in like, this podcast
0: go take a shower right now and we're gonna
1: <laughs> a super healthy dinner
0: <laughs> and what are you talking about You know, literally
1: that's me after I watch any Kardashian show. And I'm like, this is not who I am. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but you know, I, I, I had an incredible audition one time I was like 23, I think 22, 23. Uh, no, I was older than that. Cause I don't know. I had an incredible audition one time for this USA show. I was right for it. I made the guy almost like tear up. Like it was a great audition. And I came in like two days later. And one of my managers said, they loved you. They thought you were the best read, but you're not pretty enough to bring to producers. And Dom's face right now is like, what? Yeah, that's LA. Yeah, it's a good town. It's a great town. Definitely visit it because it's super fun there. Um, Erin, congratulations on living there.
2: Anyway, thank you.
1: That wasn't the first that was the first time I heard that, but that wouldn't be the last. And there that I would hear that more, but it wasn't just that I had casting directors say that or, you know, producers or whatever. It was also this idea that that had been imprint, like I felt like it had been tattooed on my forehead and everywhere I went I walked into a room and it was almost like I had to apologize for not being pretty enough. So I was like, okay, I I know I'm not like the prettiest girl here or I'm not pretty enough for your show, but let me, I'm going to blow you out of the water with my talent. or I'm going to make you laugh. or I'm going to do this thing and then you'll like me. Right. And there, it was like that walked in before I ever walked in and that became my identity for me, but it was a effing lie. Like it wasn't true. Yes, yeah. people can look at me and they can decide what they want, but it's not true. But I, what that person said, what that casting actor said, and how my manager told me at the time, like that was the word of God. That was exactly what it was. And I just think about all, and that fed into so many things that happened through bullying and so many things through my childhood that just like fed and glommed on to other things and it made perfect sense. It was like, yeah. yeah. And anyway, all that to say, I think that that became my identity with other things
0: and you're using them as a shield out of self-protection. Mm. Like, Hey, if I walk into this room full of producers and I say it first, then yes. it's like, let me try to make up for, it. like, I want to protect myself. Guys,
1: I know I'm not pretty enough, but let yeah, me show you this. I'm, yes. I'm,
0: I know it. I'm in on it. And so like, even in this last relationship, I was crossing boundaries and I was emotionally manipulative. And I, he would say that I was capitalizing off of his mistakes to put it simply And I, you know, there there we go. Here we go. And I cheated on him. And um, those were all things that it was me self-sabotaging myself. Yes. Yes. um, Because I didn't believe in who I really was. And Mm. my identity is somebody I've always been. I've just been coming into stepping into this footing of realizing who that is. And in that moment, I was like, "No, because I my personality used to be this way. That must be who I am." And mm. so I'm faking it. Like who you, my identity? I I got confused. I was like, "My identity is a fake version of me, and I have to show you who I'm really capable of being mm. in order for you for this relationship to be honest and real." And completely just self sabotage myself. But really, mm. it's just like that's who I'm capable of being because of sin and because of past traumas, and in other relationships, but that's not who I am, I'm not a cheater, and I'm not a self-sabotager, I'm just capable of being
2: those things. It's so interesting that you are, are not only able to, like, admit some of those shortfalls in that relationship, but also that you're, like, you're so open to even seeing, and, like, being able to look back, and be, like, I wonder why I did that, you know what I mean, rather than just, like, oh, that
0: happened. You know, I always have to know the why in the moment I was in this cloud and this fog where I couldn't, I could almost say that, but I couldn't say it. Like I couldn't stop what I was doing because I was like, you're too good for me and you deserve somebody more than me. You shouldn't like me. And so, which is
1: that tattoo that's you walking into the room mm-hmm. saying whatever I'm not good yeah. enough or whatever yeah. and I, I I think what's so fascinating about that is when like as the outside person right like mm-hmm. I'm not in this relationship I'm not in your head I'm not in his head And the outside relation the outside person I'm like oh my gosh you're such an incredible person like what like what like you're resilient you're beautiful you're funny you're like you're there's so many, you're a great mom. Like there's so many things about you that as the outside person I can see, almost like how, you know, if a parent would say you're beautiful and you're like, shut up. Like, no, you don't know or whatever. And it's like, it's, it's so fascinating to me when we can see that in other people, but we have such a hard time seeing that in ourselves.
2: I went through a breakup in like September and the most frustrating thing for me was people that were like, you just need to get back out there. and I'm like uh, aside and they're like you know the the whole uh the only way to get over someone is to get under someone new not only is that just gross but (laughs) it's it's this idea of like you're just covering up hurt you haven't dealt with anything Mm -hmm. but you haven't actually like tried to overcome anything you've you're just distracting yourself with another person and sort of those butterflies you feel when you start dating someone new you're just you're filling in that gap of anxiety with that. And it, it makes me so angry that that's like the only advice people know how to give in that
1: moment. And you're still broken. You haven't healed. So you're gonna just bring all that stuff from the last relationship into this. Put it on a new person. Yes. <laughs>
0: and I think too, like that in the brokenness is where you learn the lesson. Mm. Like you need the brokenness and you need to feel the hard things. If You just move on and mm-hmm. you just have the hurt then what have you learned like you mm-hmm. have to stop you have to self-reflect and self-reflecting is hard because we all really suck and so <laughs> we, we want to know those really ugly parts of ourselves but like just this breakup like sitting in the hardest moments, I just seriously would ask myself like out loud I would say I would start crying and be like I miss him and I'm a hopeless romantic. So I'm like, I'm going to write him <laughs> a letter and I'm going to write him this letter and I'm going to mail it to him. And he's going to show up on my doorstep on a rainy night.
1: The best I'm moments gonna, happen right in rain.
0: I to be on a rainy night and, I'm gonna <laughs> door, and it's just going to be amazing and beautiful. And we're going to live happily ever after. But I just had to ask myself in those moments, like one of the biggest things I learned because I was sitting in the pain and like allowing myself to feel those really hard things and just ask myself really hard questions. And so like, I really just (laughs) taking out the trash, picture me, taking out the trash down my driveway. It's a foggy morning, literally stop. And I just like put the trash can down. And I'm like, if you think, I'm like, get yourself together. If you think this is the only Christian black man on the planet that you could be attracted to, who's going to love you, then you are insane. And I was like, and I just like looked out over yonder and was like, "Wow, fact." In this moment, what am I missing about him, or do I just? miss the fact that i having a person not be married. yeah like i don't have a person now i'm not on this this path to engagement and so i learned there's a difference between missing someone and being lonely mm. and low loneliness is real quick to mask itself with missing someone
1: okay first of all that i i the way Aaron felt earlier, that's how I'm feeling right now. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need a journal about this for like 30 <laughs> minutes because it's not just in a relationship. And yet I still find myself crying
0: over the relationship, but I have to realize it's not over him. It's over this relationship because this relationship meant so much. It meant that my, when I'm a, when I say I'm a single mom, I don't mean I'm a single mom who is divorced or is, I still haven't. Like just lives apart from their child's father. Mm-hmm. Where help? Like, I'm a single mom. There's no father figure whatsoever in Easton's life, and he's surrounded by women. Uh, no consistent male, well-rounded figure in his life. And so, the lot this relationship meant the loss of Easton having a father. Mm. It mm. was loss of me not being able to feel caught up or on track. The grief Mm. of just like my there, we can experience grief from just like I've had this life plan and it didn't go as planned because of these crushed moments. And so we can grieve what we desired. And that's hard to miss out on to be sad about what we thought was going to happen.
1: And I I think. You know, to to wrap this up, because I feel like we could talk for another four hours and we still have your questions. <laughs> I think what's so beautiful about this is you keep saying I'm six months post breakup, but you mm. also keep having moments. Yeah. And I think, you know, the one of the biggest things I hope that people take out of this podcast is the hope that you are not alone. And you yeah. could be six months post a breakup or six months post losing your job or six months post living back with your family because covid killed your finances or whatever it is that you're going through right now, you could be six months or you could be two years post-it. You're yeah. still going to have moments where that grief hits you in a wave because it's a loss, right? It's a loss of what you're just saying. It's a loss of these desires that that I thought were going to happen. And some of us, I'll just say me- is grieving things that I wanted and desired and dreamed of when I was 12 years old that I didn't get. And it took me years to figure out that I'm grieving these 12 year old things. Mm -hmm. And it's such a like embarrassing, vulnerable place to be like, I just needed to get to that fame. So then this boy would think I was okay. So then I would think I was okay. Like that is like, "Oh, oh, I just want to throw up thinking about it. But there's also this element of like, that's just the way it, the way it is, yeah. and I I hope that like people listening know that like it's okay to be six months post and still have these emotional moments, and to like coach yourself because that's basically what you're doing. You're like, hey, yeah. okay, so yes, I'm feeling this because feelings aren't fact, but feelings are okay to feel. But let's also talk about the reality of what's going on. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, and it's two things that you just said is. Feelings are real, but not always reliable. And grief is not linear and it doesn't ask for permission.
1: All right. So if you could tell your 12-year-old self anything, what would it be? It can be- is That it's okay to have a big forehead. <laughs> 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 Embrace really it, girl.
0: Love it. Let it be your trademark. You oh know? my gosh. It's like, okay. I literally used to wear like a whole- I was going to say, did you do the-, the Side yes. bang? Totally. Like super- emo and um just like would literally it was like came from like the left side of my temple and covered my whole entire brain and I just <laughs> like wanted it to just to hide away behind all this hair and it was really sad.
1: I really quickly, I heard Sarah Bareilles in an interview talk about, it was with Zach Shepherd and he was saying something about your nose is so beautiful. And she said, thank you. She said, I had to learn to fall in love with my nose. She was yeah. like, it was an active choice. And I learned to fall in love with my nose. And I was like crying. This was just like four days ago and I'm crying, like I need to fall in love with my nose. I need to fall in love with my nose. I'm That's yeah. my new thing. I'm going to tell my nose. I love
0: it <laughs> And how you fall in love with the things that you think are ugly about mm-hmm. you, are you let them out? like mm. you let them be seen do not conceal them do not hide them like let them be seen mm-hmm. wear it like <laughs> proud and loud and just like let it all hang out so that would be the first that would be the funny thing but also a really serious thing because it took me a long time to love mm. that love my forehead and love my hair for mm. what it was and then the second thing is that be okay with being misunderstood and it's okay to be a
1: mm. are. sorry say that again it's okay to
0: what it's okay to be as angry as you are.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah.
0: Those are the three things that
1: I would tell my 12-year-old son. Um, okay, what's the worst advice you've ever gotten? <laughs> I don't know what it is, but you're already laughing.
0: I'm just laughing at what Aaron said earlier, like to get to get over one guy, like get up under. Like, <laughs> and so you just have to be careful who you share your hopes and dreams with, and you have to be careful. Because everybody's always going to have an opinion, and mm-hmm. you have to realize who you're talking to. Because who you're talking to, they can sound really wise and have nothing. No, they could have no resume to back up that wisdom.
1: Ooh, I like that. They could have no resume to back up that wisdom. That's good. Yeah. That's that's a little snap right there. Um, okay, so what's the best advice you've ever gotten?
0: The best Advice I ever gave myself was to stop allowing my thoughts to become a mood. Emot- my thoughts become feelings and my feelings to become emotional
1: reactions. Hmm. Would you write that down and then mail it to me? That would be great. <laughs> so when you were 12. Yes, your crush song. I'm so excited. You guys are the same age. So I feel like I know, gonna, Aaron, I I'm really going to be like, I don't even know talk. what this is. Okay.
0: Do you know the song? Should I sing it or should I just tell you the name? You
1: could do what, girl, if you want to sing it, you need to sing it. <laughs>
0: I remember the song that's like, "Let the rain fall." Wait, down. Down. I can picture my 12-year-old self right now. I remember the distinct moment. It was pouring rain outside, and I'm in the back seat, and the song is blaring in the car, and my hands like on the window, and I'm just like, "Let the rain fall down," and I'm just like, I think. I don't even know what I'm singing about. I don't even know. It's just happening oh, into the deepest darkest parts of my emotions and I just her, that I felt that song to the core. It was her like Metamorphosis
2: oh. album was incredible.
0: And in the in the music video I just remember like that's why I always want that like man to just combine Oh yeah. because it's really the notebook Yes. She was literally in a glass house and it's raining outside. She's gray (laughs) and she's in this like wife beater tank top and she's just like blonde and beautiful and
1: just. What was up with the wife beater? I used to wear that to bars. I'd wear like a blue, like a purpley blue bra under a wife beater tank top with a a jaunty Boston hat that was plaid (laughs) with like pink and blue. It
2: was probably extra long and it was probably pulled down as tight as possible. And you probably had like a belt over the top of it.
1: Oh, I did. Oh, I did. No, I wore that to a bar on Sunset Strip the night I met my first yeah. like, true boyfriend, and I looked. I think actually, I think I might have had a tie, like a man's tie. tie. Probably did. But it's very Avril Lavigne. I that's the Avril
2: Lavigne. That- so oh. here's what's so frustrating to me about that. I wanted to be you so badly, except obviously I was a lot younger. So I used to beg my mom to take me to limited Two so I could mimic yours and your sister's outfits. And
1: then- but My would... parents never would have spent the money on limited too. They had right. five children.
2: But then yeah, like I would it. I would wear them to the one dress down day at school, just like me and my gaucho pants and my <laughs> sketchers. And I would be like, I'm here, <laughs> what more do you want?
1: So after my first breakup, I always, I wanted a poncho, but he was like, that ponchos are stupid. So I bought a poncho I, and I was like, no, this is my moment. This is my moment. This is my independence poncho. <laughs> but I wore it and I wore it with white jeans and the girls, my sisters. Oh my God,
0: I totally oh. know a picture this really holy.
1: Bunch. It was really holy. And I had like a wife beater on her top. And then I couldn't afford Uggs because I can't afford anything. And so I wore emus. I wore emus with like the fake Uggs that were like $29. Oh my gosh. No, this is amazing. Oh, I'm so glad. It. I'm so glad that we brought up Hillary Duff and Jeez. Mufasa bloodline. <laughs> <So> that, listen, <laughs> Mufasa bloodline, you call us. We you. want to interview you. Thank you, Dominique White, so much. And I just really quickly want to plug, you have a new website and yeah. hold on. I'm getting it. Do you want to tell us what it is?
0: <laughs> it's called www.theunmarch.com. Thank you for letting us know com. that
1: it's a www. <laughs> w-
0: I said it's called... The WWW.
1: (laughs) Guys, if you didn't know, there's a thing called the internet.
0: The World Wide Web, people. As they would say.
1: Please share your website.
0: Okay. My website is the unblurred and it's so. Dot com,
1: just in case you didn't know.
0: I keep messing this up. Go back.
1: No, no. We're not deleting any (laughs) of this. This is gold. This is solid gold. We're gonna win a podcast award. It's called The Potty. I just made it. up. <laughs> okay, wait, so your okay. website is thered w- 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 <laughs> w- dot com right. and uh, so and that is your okay. website. and what what is happening on that website? Tell us a little bit about that website it's a blog. where you, have- <laughs> you just go, it's a blog.
0: No, I just felt like that was so cool. I have a lot of things coming up that I'm really excited about, like birth mom boxes and placement boxes and just ways to Connect. I'm constantly connecting with people in the adoption community, mostly adoptive families. And so just like giving them an actual space to go to, that's- uh,
1: That's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real professional. It's a blog and it's real professional. You don't have to like
0: DM me anymore. You can actually like send me an email.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that. And you can find her on Instagram at Dominique B. White. You can also find her on our Instagram because- she'll be on there. Okay. All right. Well, Dominique, thank you so much for being here on Crush the Podcast with me and Aaron and Aaron when she left and when she came back. And we're so excited that you're listening. Um, whoever you are, Marcus, Mud Wallet, Bloodline, and Chad Michael Murray. We want to thank all of our guests, including Chad Michael Murray. Our co-stars.
0: Hey, I ain't 17 no more, Chad, but.
1: <laughs> and on that note goodbye goodbye <laughs>